This is the Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Let's go nuts! It's Jimmy Nuts! Drive out with a car! With your host, Mark Martinez. Remember, just because you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. And the English professor. It's called a garbage can, not a garbage cannot. Hey, this is former WWE superstar Duke, the Dumpster Trosi, and you are listening to the Can Crushers Podcast. And happy Father's Day to everyone. All right, settle down, Mark. Uh, First and foremost, I need to wish my cohorts, the Guru Chad and the English Professor, a happy Father's Day to the best dads I know out there. Guys, uh, I'm going to do my corona right now, and it's for you. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Happy Father's Day, men. Happy Father's Day, guys. What, What more do we want than alcohol and wrestling? This is this is where it's at. Welcome to Can Crushers, by the way. Uh, I've been drinking since early this morning. Again, doing some work outside. John's doing the same thing. Chad is a. Uh, I don't know if you're in like. I hate to say quarantine because bad word, but you are just a uh, sickly. Yeah, just a little rundown. You know, some heat, stroke, dehydration. Nothing big. No, nothing big. John, uh, I'm having a yingling. You guys made fun of me last week for drinking thistle finch. And before we went on the air, I told you guys I had some spritzers. You guys can make fun of me for that, too. I don't know why I was in the mood for spritzers. I bought a bottle of wine and a bottle of Sprite and chilled the glasses and made uh, spritzers for myself and my wife. You took a nice picture. Was she wearing a Susquehanna shirt? Was that a Susquehanna yeah, shirt? Yeah, what, what is that? I don't even know. My, everyone's asking about the Susquehanna shirt. <laughs> no clue. Being yeah, a, I'm being a dick. I thought you knew. No. You got me. Being an idiot. All right, uh, guys, a lot has happened in wrestling this week, and we'll get to the action. We really will get to the action, but we have to start on what is probably – the most disturbing thing we've ever talked about here on Can Crushers, the the Speak Out movement. Um, I completely support it. Uh, I've been reading for the last two days of some guys and gals, mostly gals, speaking out about being, air quote, groomed in the back. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable some of these names that have popped up. Um, you could find it yourself. Uh, if you guys want to bring them up, that's cool. Whatever. Um, I, I, I'm shocked by some of them and I just, I, I don't know what it's coming early. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. I really don't, you know, come on, wake the hell up. This is 2020. If it happened years ago, it's just wake the fuck up. You're going to ruin society throw wrestling out the window you're going to ruin society because you're a jackass in the back uh that's my two cents somebody else uh go ahead jack go ahead i just yeah this is uh it's disturbing it you know the levels that we're seeing it um 
you know, I thought the big news of the week was going to be uh, Dave Lagana and being removed from NWA and everything. And now there's a lot of people coming out, um, you know, all levels back a while. I just, I, I wholly support them coming out. And if the people are guilty, you know, running their asses through the ringer. Um, but my only fear is I hope that there's people not tagging on to this just to try to make a buck or, you know, get dates or whatever, because that'll screw it for screw it up for the ones that are legitimate. I, I agree with you, Chad. I hope that's the case, too. I hope nobody's taking advantage. It seems like and I don't want to speak out of turn here because I don't know, but my guess is when things like this surface, there's always someone willing to take advantage of this situation. So what what Mark and Chad are referencing, the Speak Out movement, for those who aren't aware, there is uh, a list of names in the wrestling business, not necessarily with charges against them yet, but with accusations against them stemming from, uh, yikes. Uh, sexual predators. Sexual predators. Sexual predators from, 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 from pedophilia to sexual harassment. Like, you can main event for a blowjob, for lack of a better way of putting it, it it's kind of what it comes down to. Two things I, I want to say about this. Number one, Wendy Richter told a story year, about you know something that happened years ago where Andre the Giant knocked on her door. All the guys dressed, and then maybe it was Moolah and Wendy, and that was it in, in the other dressing room. But Andre the Giant knocked on her door you know, in the dressing room, and she opened it, and there he was just completely naked and she treated it as like you know she rolled her eyes and laughed and was like eh, it was funny like he brought her a bottle of champagne or a beer or something but he presented it to her and he was completely naked which means he walked down the halls of the boston gardens or the philly spectrum wherever they were completely naked no one was going to tell andre the giant hey andre you know put some shorts on wendy richter laughed about it that's her prerogative. She's allowed to laugh about it. She's allowed to be okay with it. Someone else is allowed to not be okay with it. And, and that's the point of this here. You're allowed to not be okay with it. You're allowed to go to your boss and say, hey, this can't happen. I won't have it. But we know for, for a long time, at least through rumors, this, this kind of thing has gone on for a while. Um, and the other thing I'll say is with one of the accusations being against Jim Cornette uh, and his wife. Jim Cornette and his wife are allowed to be in an open relationship. If they get their rocks off on watching each other get banged, more power to them. They do not have the right to say, you will do this, this, and this, or you're fired, or you won't get a push, or you're going to get buried. Um, so if they're, if they're using this to hurt other people in any way, then that it's a crime, guys. It is. Uh, uh, I'll let Chad. Chad does want to talk about Cornette in a minute. Um, I want to throw a question out here for you guys to uh, kind of answer and just think what somebody's got their business too loud, your phones or your computers or whatever. Uh, do, do, you, do you see people 
jumping on this really for, and I know Chad referenced it, and he kind of stole my questions. Do you think people are going to jump on this because of that? Or are, are there, I've read hundreds, hundreds in the last two days. Or do you think this is really, this is wrestling? This is really wrestling that we are still all just marks about and we don't know. Go ahead, John. Um, boy, that's a good question, Mark. <clears throat> I, I think when something like this breaks, it takes one person. Whether it is this movement, and, and not to get political, whether it's Me Too, whether it's a country with a dictator, it takes one person to say enough is enough, and it creates a snowball effect. So I don't want to accuse anyone yet of jumping on this just to profit. I think one person, two people were brave enough to come forward and it started a snowball effect, which is the only way you get change, guys. You've got to kick the doors off the hinges and just say we're starting over. To answer your other question, Mark, I mean, this is what it is. You know, I, uh, I, we watched and we'll get to this later, we watched the Coliseum video. We've said we love it all. You know, the footage they showed at the beginning from the 1940s. And you and I, Mark, have talked about, like, a trip where we visit the different wrestling places. I was just, for no reason, I had nothing else to do. I was imagining the Coliseum in Rome, thinking if we had a time machine, yes, go to the Coliseum in Rome. We, we love it. We love it so much. You can't escape its its dirty history, though, guys. Like, this can't all be false. They can't all be false accusations. Some of this has to stick, I think. You know, Pat Patterson uh, being gay, no issue there. Pat Patterson telling wrestlers, you'll do this or you're not getting pushed, that's a problem. Watch a Barry O match, guys. Barry O, Bob Orton's brother, Randy Orton's uncle. Great worker. Great worker. Never won a match. And whether it's Patterson or Garvin, I'm not 100% sure, but rumor has it. You know, you can go back to the early 80s. Rumor has it he was buried because he wouldn't give a guy oral sex. You know, there's, uh, I, I was thinking Pat Patterson because there's been off and on, but nobody's ever proved anything against him. And then I think back to what Mula was supposedly to have done pimping out her girls. And you had some that said, absolutely, this went on. Everything like that. Then you had ones that said, you're, you're freaking nuts. This never went on with her. Yeah, she might have skimmed money off the top, but she didn't pimp us out or tell us if we didn't sleep with so-and-so, we weren't going to... That's I'm just reserving judgment because it's it's easy for people to throw their names out there, but I, w- I want to see... I want to see proof more than just hearsay. And that's where... You know, I'll believe them, but they they gotta 
they got to have they got to have something behind it. Just hearsay is going to do nobody any good. I I will stir the pot with one more question, but I, I want to say this in regards to some of the literally hundreds that I've read, um, without throwing out names, because I I don't I don't want to I want them to have their own verse. I don't want you guys to go and seek them. They're doing this because they're they're clearing their mind, they're clearing their conscience, they're coming out and hopefully clearing wrestling. But some have that we've seen in Rise. John in Pittsburgh when we were there they have screenshotted the the conversations with you know promoter X or uh, wrestler this and screenshots screenshots tell a lot they really they really do because most of the time when you take a screenshot it's dated so you see that the screenshot was taken four years ago um, I understand technology is out there. I really do. But is Wrestler Y going to fabricate something this big to get on this movement? And guys, uh, as we said before at the start of this, we're talking about the Speak Out movement that's going on in wrestling right now for the guys and the gals that um, are releasing everything. I am one. I, I want all these women and guys to come clean. I really do. Not for like my entertainment or anything. I want the dirt out of wrestling. So my my question to both of you is: Does this kind of take the entertainment off of it? And are we going to see after legalities break through and everything? Are we going to see that it's going to be state commission then that? You know, you're going to have two or three people now in the locker room. Uh, a man and a woman have to be at an event to kind of govern what the hell goes on at locker rooms. Because if you read as much as I did, and I'm not throwing you guys under the bus for not reading into this as much, but it happens at shows. You know, you'll get a tweet or a text or this or that or a call, but... Anything that's happened over the hundreds that I've read, you're in a, a janitor's closet. You're in this, you're doing this, you're, and that's where shit's happening because it's one-on-one -on -one with male and female, boom, you get it done, or a promoter and this. Do, do we get where this is now governed? It's really not entertainment, and it goes back to wrestling. I, I think... You know, to answer the first part where you said would would people fake this stuff if if they're trying to get their name out there, yes. If they're trying to get money, you know, extortion, yeah. You know, I never thought the Ultimate Warrior pull, would pull the shit that he did, but he held up WrestleMania and told Vince, what, he wanted a million dollars or he wasn't going out five minutes beforehand. Vince had no choice but to say, yeah, I'll give you the money. And then as soon as the son of a bitch came back through the door, he fired him again. So it's, it's kind of like how, how desperate are people? And then you take people that aren't getting the work, maybe, again, maybe, on the independence or something like that. Maybe they're trying to, you know... They could be trying to get hush money. I think a vast majority of it is going to be proven true. 
but I think there's going to come a lot that people are just going to be, yeah, okay, yeah, he did, he did this or she did this. Yeah, I'm with Chad on that. Anything's possible, Mark. Anybody is capable of almost anything, in my opinion. There are people who may take advantage of this. I'm not saying they will, but there are people who may take advantage of this. Um, as far as a governing body, I don't know. And only because wrestling is the sort of thing, it's like the movie business. You can blackball somebody. You can blackball anybody. I mean, we saw it in the NFL. We've seen it in sports. But you can blackball someone that has nothing to do with the ability. So if we're watching an MMA fight or a boxing match and fighter A beats fighter B, you can still bury fighter A, but you can't deny fighter A is a great fighter and continues to win his fights or her fights. We're talking about something that's predetermined. What I'm saying is you can more secretly bury someone in pro wrestling. I think you can do more easily than you can anywhere else. Even with a governing body, just don't say in front of this governing body, you wouldn't put out. So now you're on the opener instead of the main event. You could still do it. Who the hell is going to know? I do think they need a union for crying out loud. They do need a union. I think Mark, I forgot to tag on where you're talking about the governing body. I think where there's would be a huge problem with that is a, a vast majority of the states. What is it? Uh, they don't govern over wrestling. They don't. Um, what do you call it? I'm, I'm missing the word. Sorry, guys. Uh, they don't, you know, require licenses or things like that. Now, if they say, oh, if you're going to come here, we're going to start overseeing your business, then you're open up, opening up legal stuff and you're opening up financial stuff because wrestling will be reclassified. Then you're messing with the business itself. How is it going to be classified? It, because it's a predetermined sport. How is how are they going to govern over that like they would, I don't know, UFC or a baseball game or a football game? That's uncharted territory. <laughs> it, it is. It is, and I agree with both of you. I'm just, I continue to stir the pot, and I want to say this as we wrap uh, because this is going to go on for months. This is going to go on for a hell of a long time. And we'll touch base on it again. But in the scheme of things, turning into my mother, um, wrestling or life, what do you choose? I I think everyone's got to make their own decision. Um, if you're asking me what I would choose in that situation... I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that situation. I go back to Barry O. He made his choice. He said no. He got buried and, and then was done, you know? If you see him now, he looks in, in rough shape. And that may or may not have anything to do with potential abuse that he faced back in 1984 or 1985. So while you do have a decision to make, that's best for you, this sort of predatory behavior fucks you up for a long time. 
Yeah. At the very least, it can. It absolutely can. If it's going on, then it needs to be stopped. Yeah, it needs it needs to end. And people, you know, no administrative leave, no suspension. Um, who is the one that's come out in the news? And I, I, we, I guess we could talk names that come out and said, yeah, he's real been a real son of a bitch with women in his relationships. David Starr. Yeah. He actually admitted it. Yeah, he came straight out and said, yeah, that's why I am. I've always been that way. It's like, okay, he's a lot. I think they're up to like seven or nine different wrestling organizations have cut ties with them and won't sign them. Obviously, a good thing. Is, is he trying to save face? What's What's his motives? You know, it's it's easy for us to sit back when wrestling isn't our thing. And I say, obviously, life. And if you had a conscience, life. But what about some of these guys that that's all they know or they were horrible with their money or, you know, things like that? And they need they need wrestling, whether it's an, an independent or... Uh, a legends contract with WWE or something like that. There's some guys that just, and girls that just won't have anything else to fall back on. And they'll put up with so much shit until they snap. And that's what we need to avoid. It is. It is. uh, Besides the sexual encounters and everything, uh, the mental health uh, of everyone is very important. Um, I, we, we have to table that for now because there's so much coming that it, we're in the early stages. But there are two that we need to talk about because they're pretty prudent to wrestling. Um, uh, we touched on Cornette, but the very first one I want to talk about is, you know, Lagana. Um, let's let's now throw out, and I, I know this is, you're like, Mark, how can you throw out his allegations or everything? But, all right, Lagana's gone. NWA has moved on from Lagana. How, how do they bounce back? Because Lagana did so much, and don't don't bring up sexual anymore. I, I, I literally boom done. All right, let let's talk. How's NWA now bounce back without Lagana doing everything? And people are, I mean, beside Carney Land and all this does this great show, and Eli Drake is awesome, and the girls' chat is awesome. They need to get back in the ring, and Lagana was. A, a forefront pusher for all of this. NWA is sliding right now. They lost Ricky Starks, which is their first NWA TV champion. NWA is hurting. Help them. How? They need to get produ- they need to get some producers in there. I personally think right now, if some shit like this was going to happen. I don't want to say this is a perfect time to happen. That's a crappy way to look at it. But this is a perfect time to happen because they're not out there with the fans. They're not out there producing, you know, uh, weekly shows. So they can mess around with the formula. They can bring some guys in. I hate to put think of this, but one name comes to mind, even though he was a bastard, Eric Bischoff. 
if he's kept under wraps, he's got a hell of a mind for the business and for that kind of stuff. Now, if they sign somebody like Vince Russo, I'm done with them. As long as they don't bring Hogan in. As as long as Bischoff doesn't bring Hogan in, I think it would be fine. John, would you? Well, I think you're not, with the respect that Billy Corrigan has for wrestling, for the NWA, for the Heritage, there's no way in hell would they bring Hogan in. Being a dick. I don't think there's any way in hell he would do it. I'm being a dick. No chance in hell. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Uh, Billy Corrigan's the right owner. They they desperately need, uh, you know, Booker, for lack of a better term, I guess. Who that guy is or who that woman is, I don't know. Um, can they afford Eric Bischoff? You know, I saw, I guess, like a roundtable thing with him one time, and it might have been Kevin Nash, I don't remember who, said that he understands marketing. He understands it. Like, wrestling is, is often poo-pooed on by other sports, but they say Eric Bischoff can walk into the NFL in an executive position immediately because it, it, it's kind of the same idea. It's marketing. He knows how to market things, how to get things in front of your face, how to make you want to buy them. Uh, I think he'd be a great asset. I don't know that... My point is, if he could theoretically walk into the NFL in an executive position... Can the NWA afford him? I don't know what he's doing right now. Maybe he's just retired and loving life. He's doing his podcast, 83 Weeks. Um, my my thought is on this, and then we'll move on from NWA. Uh, quick question to both of you. At the beginning of quarantine and everything going on, I thought NWA is going to be fine. They have their own studio. They can throw their guys in. Da, 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 da. I thought they're going to they're gonna be the ones that come out of quarantine like son of a bitch is rolling. All they have to do is roll into the Crockett Cup. They don't have when they come back. They don't have a storyline to save their lives with everything blowing up. Who else is going to be jumping ship from contracts that are now expiring? I keep bringing up Ricky Starks. I mean, Ricky Starks twelve weeks ago in the NWA was great. Ricky Starks on AEW is a fucking Hall of Famer already, and we'll get to that. Boom, boom, Cabana, two, jump ship. Uh, you know, I'll throw somebody out there that's in getting a lot of shit for something he's doing that's current NWA is Zicky Dice. Because he's running these online poker tournaments where the benefits go to bailing out the looters and the protesters. And he's starting to catch shit for that. Are they going to distance themselves from that? I I honestly think, I, I think they're going to end up one way, shape or form combining with ring of honor. If not AEW also, I think it's going to force them into kind of doing that. I thought exactly what you did, Mark, that quarantine benefited more than any other promotion, NWA. WWE's got huge arenas, AEW for that matter. NWA had the old school studio with maybe one or two sides of fans. You know, I can't imagine that that was a huge income for them. If anybody's got to eliminate a crowd, NWA makes the most sense. 
we're three months in. I don't know. Like, I, everyone's safety, first and foremost. Wrestling is not essential, guys. No. Sorry to burst anyone's butt. Wrestling's not essential. Can Crusher's podcast is, though. That is. We are absolutely essential. And that's why we've been working straight through. Um, but if any company could continue, I figured it would be NWA. Um, you could get together maybe once a month, maybe. What the hell do I know? But shoot your month's episodes. That's what they were doing in the first yeah, place. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that's what they're doing anyway. So I'm not sure. I, I don't know if Billy Corgan just wants to play it safe and doesn't want these men and women around each other. I don't know. They're still doing other things, though. It's, it's not like they've completely stayed home. I just think you can do something where you can get them back in a ring so that they don't have as much catching up to do when they do come back. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 uh, put a wrap on the downer segment that we have. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back. Uh, we'll cover Coliseum first, and then we'll do all of this week's this past week's wrestling in the last segment because the Coliseum video was great. We need to talk about that. But of course, before we do anything else, we have to talk about our good friend, Al snow and his t-shirt brand, which is called collar and elbow. And Chad's ordering his fucking shirt right now. It's about time. It's collarandelbow.com. The shirts are great in designs. Uh, unbelievably comfortable. I got some word that some uh, new designs are coming out, kind of like their summer editions coming. Oh, nice, nice. And be be on the watch for that. And when you head over to Collar and Elbow, use Can Crushers, all one word, capital C and Can, capital C and Crushers. You'll get 10% off, and we don't lie to you. Yes, you kick some money back to us, and I buy alcohol. That's all it is. I'm not even buying shirts anymore. I'm buying alcohol for this. Because Saturday nights is where it's at anymore. And when John saves up enough money, he's going to get himself a pound of the cat shit coffee. That's not coming out of my collar and elbow fund. Not happening. Here comes Al Snow. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Hey, this is Baby Doll, your perfect can. And if you wanted to listen to some wrestling talk, listen to the Can Crushers. And welcome back to Can Crushers. I I just said during the break, I'm probably at number 18 for the day. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, apparently, this weekend, John. How are you? I'm all right, and I, I would agree with that sentiment. Holy moly, what's a lot? Well, they're all slush. They're they're seltzers. They don't leave all the right. hangover. They definitely don't leave the hangover as beer. All right, John. So you finally, late in the week, because I didn't really get to post it that we were going to talk about it. And then, holy shit! After you told me this, everything else that we just talked about in the first segment came out. But 
We are here to talk about the WWF Volume 4 Coliseum video, and I will go first because I want to get this out. Man, I miss that entrance. I, I love the words scrolling up. I still don't read them all. I really don't know what it completely says. But then they play that music, and then you go back to the Romans fighting, and then you just... Yes! Yes, I love that. It's stoked, right? It does. It reminds me of renting from... People won't know who Ferogenes is, but your local video store, you would just go and bask at the glory of VHS tapes. I don't know if they had betas. I don't think they had any betas there. But you just bask at at the VHS tapes. And, of course, the one that I picked, because... Our video store was not great. They would go and put it back out after, say, John would rent it. They would put the case back out. I would walk in and I'm like, yes, this is the newest one. Awesome. I'd grab it. Oh, it's it's out. Well, I knew where the fuck it was. And I didn't want to watch it with him. Nor did he want to watch it with me. Yeah. But we're like, ah, why did you put this back out? This is the one I wanted to also- watch. Also, they would get it back, and not to knock them now, this has become a bitch fest about our local video store. <laughs> and sometimes they do the opposite. Sometimes they would forget to put the box back out. Right. I must have gone there 20 times looking for one specific tape until I finally asked, like, oh, no, we haven't. They just never put the box back out. Yeah. So, John, you brought this to us. Uh... Yeah. Let's talk about it. It's great wrestling. The matches on this one that I watched on YouTube, and this is going to sound stupid, I've seen most of these matches, but I watched them again like I've never seen them before. Yeah. And I know you said you don't know all the words, but let's see if I can do it. It began about 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They did it to honor their gods. They did it to train their soldiers. They did it for something else, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is, and then they show the images. There are four reasons they they did it to honor their gods. They did it to train their soldiers. They did it to compete, and they did it for fun. Right. Right, keep talking. Yeah, um, and then they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is. And then it gets into the Coliseum in Rome and everything else. I was trying to find the damn song. Uh, But you guys aren't talking enough. Well, no, we have... Go ahead, try to find... We have it on the Can Crushers page somewhere. Do you remember we went to... The first time we went to Asylum Wrestling, I bought the WrestleMania 2 tape, and you're like, it is on the network. I don't know why you spent that money. And it turns out it was Mad Vicious State, and I said, I bought it just for the intro song, because it was awesome. It was. It was. All right, you brought up Matt Bish, so I also have to bring up BC Seal tonight. That The interview is amazing. Um, he's, he's pissed off a lot of people in IWC, though. BC Steel. He's pissed off a lot of people in IWC, Jack Pollock and Chris LaRusso, because they didn't get their names mentioned enough. That that was that was that was a hot topic last night on the IWC watch along. Here we go. Here we go. I don't have the copyrights of this, by the way. We don't have this, right? Yeah, I don't think so. 
stomach. Are you that shit just getting you pumped up? Dad's annoyed. And then Ken Patero's doing the swinging nutbreaker. It sounds like something that, uh, uh, I can't play all of it. I'll probably get Roddy sued. Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton are slamming Jimmy Snooker right now. I, yeah, well, you, you miss the you miss Ron Bass and Offa as well. But all right, so the first match after Vince says we we've got a combination of a lot of uh, great 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 things. I'm pissed off at you, John. First of all, you oh, pr- what did I do? You promised me Lord Alfred Hayes, and you did not deliver. He's not on it, is he? He's no. not on it. You son of a bitch. Damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, um, Paul Orndorff. Against Roddy Piper, they didn't do anything, and I'll let you guys talk about it. They didn't do anything, and the fans were throwing shit in the ring already. This is how hot this was. Go. Uh, two of the best performers in the business, um, you know, genuine hard hitters, and that, and they just took it to each other. This match was from. July 13th, 1985, by the way. Uh, there were no dates on the tape, but I looked up all these. Of course you did. Uh, at your favorite I website. And I, absolutely. That's where it was, thehistoryofww.com. Uh, I like that that Piper didn't back down. He didn't play as much of the cowardly bad guy as he usually did. He stayed and fought. Uh, I like that for a couple of reasons. It showed that he really felt Paul Orndorff was the weak link at WrestleMania. And years later, when they swapped, when Piper was good and Orndorff turned on Ogan and joined Heenan, Piper said, I told you this guy was an idiot. And you could think, like, yeah, you're right. And a few years ago, you're absolutely right. He, he was wrong about that. A um, couple of little things. I like that Piper kept his arm tucked to his side while he rolled because Orndorff had worked on the arm for a long time. Guys, Piper was so great at that. Piper was great at selling an injury from beginning to end. I, I've talked on this show about, I still don't know if he was really deaf in one ear or not, but for years, if, if Mean Gene was on the other side, he leaned in with his other ear. Piper was brilliant. He spent this match holding his arm to his side because Orndorff had worked on his arm. Uh, like you said, Mark, it was a red-hot crowd. They were throwing stuff into the ring. It was a good brawl. It was also very good wrestling. And I think this ended in either a DQ or a double DQ with just great heat after the match. With Bob Orton splitting Orndorff's head open with the cast. Great stuff, man. It ended in a DQ. Paul got the win um, because Ace Orton came out. And let me, let me say this real quick, Chad. I know you're biting at the bit. Man, the Bulldogs were young. And yeah. no disrespect, they were little. They, they were not the ripped Bulldogs that we see when they came in to make the save. But uh, that that's my favorite Bulldogs, by the way. When they had the red pants and the Bulldog on their, this is going to sound stupid, on their ass. Uh, man, that's my favorite rendition. WrestleMania 2 in the blue. Yeah. Go ahead, Chad. Sorry. I'm drinking. Uh, I was just going to say, John John was right about Piper. The, the psychology of wrestling, Piper understood. The, oh, you know, my arm. Okay, if your arm's being worked on, 
you're not going to be suplexing the guy, snap mayor and the guy clotheslining him with the same freaking arm that you just, he's been beating the hell out of. He understood the psychology of the match. You know, Mark, you're talking about the Bulldogs. You may reminded me this was um, obviously they were young. They weren't as, as big. This is before they started more. So dynamite kids started the rash of injuries yeah. And them at that time, oh, my gosh, if they were in a different territory, they they would have been right up there in top five tag teams of all time, I think, easily. They, they still are. I sent a fucking card to Matilda. So they were one of my top five teams. The next match on the, the card was Hulk Hogan and Snuka against Orton and Morocco. Um, I, this is where you know that the card didn't happen at the same place. Because Orton had just left from beating up Orndorff and his cast was bloodier than hell. Uh, he comes out in this next match. It's a brand new cast, folks. This one... Uh, it was a couple of months earlier. This was May 18th, 1985 at the Boston Gardens. Uh, Piper in order for we didn't mention was Madison Square Garden. So this is the, the Boston Garden. Uh, something to note, Hulk Hogan was in his WWF LJN Bendy's outfit with the yellow trunks and boots, but the blue knee pads. He didn't come uh, out with a title either. Even though he was champ, he did not come out with a title. I remember he had it after the match, though, right? He did. But he, yeah, didn't, but he didn't have it before. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um, I like that Hogan was the one getting worked over in this. It was kind of a nice twist. You would expect Snooker to, to catch the beating and and Hogan to make the save. Uh, well, in the beginning. Snooker was Hogan, bloodied. Well, yeah, I was getting to that. Snooker got bloodied in, in, in an interesting twist. He went for the super fly on Morocco. Orton jumped in and just put his cast in the way. And Snooker's head smashed into the cast and was just gushing blood. And Orton was, like, mocking him, like, rubbing his head on his cast and, like, showing everybody the blood that was on it. Chad? This was the one thing I noticed. Like you said, this this was Hogan, Hogan taking some punishment, Hogan not being the hero, which was a nice uh, change of pace, so to speak, versus somebody else, and then the boring Hogan coming in, finger-pointing bullshit and everything. This was just, this was an okay match. I'm just, I've never been a fan of Hulk Hogan, so it's kind of like, that's my only thing. Honestly, this is the, the, my least favorite match on the card. I, there were so many other ones that I liked better. I, I really did. Uh, Just something quick to note. This was likely, if not Snooker's last match in the WWF for four years, one of his last matches. Um, He was gone by May or June of 85. And I also wanted to mention that for a while, Mark, Morocco and Orton wrestled this match like you and I wrestled um, Super Nintendo Tag Team, where we were the you and you guys. Yes! And one of us was on the outside, and we beat up the other one. Beat up the guy in the ring, and just before he could tag, the other one leave his corner, run around, kick his ass, so that when he finally did get tagged, and he had nothing left, 
So Morocco and Orton, they, they were ahead of the curve here with that. They were doing Nintendo wrestling before that game was even out. Uh, when did the, that game came out in what, 88, 89? 88 was Res, WrestleMania, which was an awful game. It was based on WrestleMania 4. I think it was 89. I think that's Super WrestleMania. Boss Man had just turned good. So we could figure it had to be late 89, early 90. All right. Nonetheless. Um,. This match went all over the place. It was in the crowd for a while. Um, but we, we come up, they throw in a battle royal on this. And I've seen this battle royal hundreds of times. This is actually probably one of my favorite battle royals. There's nobody, air quotes, many air quotes to show, big in this match. You know, there's no stud. There's no Bundy. There's no Andre. There, there's none of that. It's us three, uh, Junkyard Dick, the... Uh, Jack, our buddy, old-time Paul, part of the Can Crushers, Swan Dog, Jason Resign. I mean, there's a who's who of nobody. And then Valentine, Estee Jones, Tony Atlas, and who is the fourth Adrian one left? Adrian Adonis. Adrian Adonis, yes. Who the hell is Lawrence Susie? I have no idea. There you go. Okay. No idea. Go ahead. This match ends great. I love the way they ended um, this match. This was from June 26, 1982. Uh, you guys will notice the first person eliminated was Superfly Snooker, and the fans cheered. He was a villain. Two days later, Mark, he was in one of your favorite steel cage matches against... No, no. You gave an honorable mention of Bob Backlund. Two days later, he wrestled Bob Backlund at Madison Square Garden. This yeah. was in Philly, June 26, 1982. June 28th, 1982, he wrestled Backlund in the cage. Um, when it came down to the final four, Adonis is wiping Valentine's head with his bare hands. Guys, this is before we knew much of anything about how diseases are transmitted. <clears throat> Chad's got nothing. Go ahead, Chad. Well, I'm just, like you said, it was just a mixture of mid to lower upper card guys that just complimented. It was a, I don't want to say necessarily a fun match, but it was just like, you didn't give a shit who won. Really? People were just getting the hell beat out of them. And then the twist at the end, it was like, okay, that's pretty damn cool. Versus a, oh, I'm going to turn on him or shake his hand and grab him by the head and throw him over the top rope bullshit. This was a legitimate... Flip a coin, you lost, over the top rope, we're buddies. Do we know if this is, this is, a, this is a question for you, because clearly I don't tonight or any other night. Uh, do we know if that's actually how they decided, or was it, there did a kind of put S.D. Jones over as being the lovable guy that's is going to continue to lose anyway, and Tony. My, my understanding, uh is that the whole thing was predetermined. It was a work from beginning to end. S.D. Jones and Tony Atlas were actually groomed to be Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. So at that time, you had Fuji and Saito as the champions. They swapped the belts back and forth with the Strongbows, eventually got on the Samoans. I don't know when the decision was made to swap Johnson. I think it was the right choice. But to swap Johnson for, for Jones, or swap Jones for Johnson. But... 
they were supposed to be champions. It was supposed to be Tony Atlas and SD Jones. And I think maybe that's why they were the last two left in there was to kind of build them up. And I support that. SD Jones and that cabana shirt that he came out with. One of my favorite to date LJNs. <laughs> I love the LJN of SD Jones. That's somebody. I have Outback uh, I have Outback Jack and Repo Man on my wall. I would kill to get an SD Jones on my wall right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's too late, I'm afraid to say. Okay, um, we'll the only other thing I'd like, I'll find one. I'll find one. You'll find one. The only thing I'd like to say is this was a good battle royal in terms of no gimmicks. The bell rang, they beat the shit out of each other. Nobody hit under the ring, nobody ran to the back and came out later. They were just all in the ring. There were a couple times guys that got thrown through the ropes or under the ropes and came back in. Other than that, it was just your good old-fashioned 20-man over the top. And there were some good eliminations, like guys trying to get Morales out, and he was hanging on. And Adonis just came over and beat on his belly 40 times or whatever until Morales was like, I can't hang on anymore. It was realistic. It was very realistic. The, the next two segments of this show that John picks is... Um, stupid. <laughs> we have the spe- specialty of the house, which shows everybody from Barry Windham to Barry O doing a move. Barry Windham did his bulldog. Da, 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 da. I was like, oh, John, with the, are they only going to really show a couple matches? I, I forgot about this. It went on for a while, didn't it? The specialty of the house. We get it. Guys have finishers. <laughs> and then, Chad, I'll let you talk about, they had interesting walks then. Then they just showed Brutus and Hogan doing the Ric Flair strut, more or less, and just how people walk. I know a lot of people that walk differently, and they should not have been on that. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake should have never been in wrestling, period. Oh, Maybe he should have walked himself right off of a pier or something, but, you know. Uh, okay, two of my least favorite wrestlers ever, and their main event featured. Great job. So you did not watch that part. All right. The next match, finally, after 25 minutes of stupidness, um, we get the stretcher match from Philadelphia um, of... Oh, yeah, wait. Young Gary Capetto was there, by the way. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Andre the Giant and Killer Khan. I love this. I loved everything about this. I loved it. It's great. It Could it happen now? Maybe with Darby Allen. Um, we'll talk about... Yeah, we talked about Darby already. Um, but maybe with Darby and somebody like that, hopefully. But... uh. This was amazing. This was they they showed a, a stronger air quotes again stretcher that was not going to hold Andre's toothpick. You knew from just looking at it, Killer Khan was going on it. it this was okay. I know you guys said I loved Logan it. And Snook attack team match was your least favorite. This was my least favorite, only for this reason. I'm all for psychology, guys, and I get Andre wanted revenge. I needed a little something. I needed some athleticism. I get oh, Andre's there was none. There was there none. Was none. <laughs> and that's the thing. I get Andre's foot is in the ropes, and you're going to work that over. I get cons on the stretcher and won't go, 
boom, 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 sit on him three times. Still won't go. Fuck this bastard. Boom, 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 sit on him three times. It's realistic. Andre's just going to go squash the guy until there's nothing left and he gets carried out. I just felt for something this big, a final match between these guys, I wanted a little more. I just needed a little more than Andre beating the living shit out of this guy. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. I loved it because I remember the whole angle of Khan supposedly breaking Andre's ankle when Andre was legitimately injured, conflicting stories on how that happened. Um, and Khan took the thing. He was a crazy son of a bitch back then. Oh, he looked like he was nuttier than a fruitcake at Christmas. And then Andre comes in and just kicks his ass. I mean, he stink faces him about 15 times. Yeah, you knew I don't think it was called that then, but okay. Well, you have that big of ass in your face and see what you call it. The the next... It was... That was just... It it was good. I enjoyed it, but it kind of just flowed with the thing of Andre really gave him a rub which eventually helped Khan in his series with Bob Backlund for the title. Um, just good matches. Good good match. The next match he's going to gush about is Andre against... Uh... Stud. Yeah, Stud. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is his favorite guy. His favorite... I Just... Yep. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I can go to the bathroom. Go ahead. Andre and uh, Khan was November 14th, 81. Mark said Philadelphia. I don't know if I gave a date. Andre versus Stud was also Philadelphia. It was two years later. It was uh, September 24th, 1983. It was in a steel cage. This was just a snippet. The whole match is out there. The the whole match is good. What they showed was um, kind of an overview where Andre had a little bit of the advantage and Stud had a little bit of the advantage. This created some nice drama. Like, there were moments where Stud was very nearly out the door. I liked that he held his own. I like this better than the stretcher match because, for the most part, the stretcher match was just Andre beating the crap out of Khan. Stud held his own. Like, Andre went for the boot. Stud ducked. Andre turned around. Boom. Got hit by a clothesline. Staggered and fell. So, there you have Stud knocking the guy down with one shot, you know? As the match went on, Andre just showed he was way too big and, and way too strong. You had Stud struggling. He was desperate. He's trying to pull Andre down. He does, only he pulls him down on top of himself and gets his neck uh, crushed by Andre the Giant. Fun and Kona crush? Andre, not quite the Kona crush, no. Just the ass crush. Uh, Andre <laughs> jumped off the top rope which he was known to do in cage matches. He did it to Kamala, too. Uh, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to see Andre the Giant on the top rope. It really just sold like this is over. Andre jumping off the top rope. But year you said, what year was this from? 83, September 1983. What year was WrestleMania 1? March 31st, 1985. So it wasn't over. No, not by a long shot. Uh, they they just kept bringing Andre and Stud back. But for that period of time, it was over. Right. Later, Patera showed up, and they cut his hair, and then they kind of started over again. Right. 
Chad, what do you think of this, real quick? Uh, this really showed me in a lot of uh, with Andre. Andre would give a lot to guys that he liked, that he realistically liked. He'd give them, you know, as much from slamming them and everything like that. And this showed surprisingly one of the few people that liked John Studd and Andre did a lot for him. Yeah, he eventually won, but he gave a lot to Stud in this match. The next... I don't believe the negative I hear about them, Chad. I just don't. Like, people say ah, Andre hated him. Bobby Heenan said Andre used to pull his hair out, knock his teeth out. I, I don't want to dissect it and insult anybody, but watch their matches. They were careful with each other. They knew they were, like, 400-pound monsters who could hurt each other. There's even... And again, I hate to say this because it exposes things. Listen closely sometimes. Watch their maps. What are your studs saying? You good? You okay, boss? You know what I mean? I, I don't buy that they hated each other. I just No, I no, no. I'm saying that they liked each other. That's not what that I'm they saying. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I, I don't buy what I hear about them hating each other. You're agreeing with Chad sounded like you disagreed with Chad. I'm sorry. I was disagreeing with people who disagree with Chad is what I'm doing. The next match no. it, Oh, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. I'm We're sorry. still going. Gonna, oh. oh, shut up, you drunk alky. I was just going to throw out this, you know, saying how if Andre liked you and how much he'd give you and let you do and everything like that. Look at the flip, the absolute flip side of this. He hated the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. He, he hated give Savage. that guy a damn thing. I mean, there was, you know, the great story where Warrior was just hitting him too hard, and he told him, cut the bullshit, cut the bullshit. Well, Warrior backed him up into the corner and went for one of the bounce-off-the-rope dives, and Andre just put his fist out and knocked his ass out. He didn't like Savage because of the, the baby oil. Baby oil, yeah. yep. Yeah. On that note, go ahead, Mark. The next, the next ma yeah. the Go ne ahead, Mark. The next match is Andre against Bundy from MSG. The colossal jostle. Half a ton of girth between these human beings. I love this match. It was just two big men. And you know what really sold the match for me? Captain Lou Albano. He yeah. was insane on this. I'm glad to this day he is the Can Crusher's manager of forever. Yeah. This was nearly well, two years later, almost to the day. Uh, so September 24th, 83. This was September 23rd, 85. This is a very good match for these two big men. Andre did some mat wrestling. He used a head scissor. Look at Bundy. Bundy is suffering. And I saw an interview with Bundy where he talks about this match. And a couple of different guys went to Andre afterwards. Bundy, Bigelow did after their match. And they were just like, what's going on, boss? What's the problem? And Andre's like, now we make money. Jake Roberts tells that story like, dude, what's your problem? Come on, boss. He's like, now we make money. So for some reason, you had to prove yourself to Andre. He had to smack you around a little bit, and then you could make money together. But Andre punishes him. And, and there's a point where Bundy takes a spill where he doesn't catch the ropes and he doesn't catch the, the mat. He free falls to the to the arena floor. That's a note, yeah. Boom, just slams on the arena floor. I, That fall was unbelievable that he got up. 
honestly. I I enjoyed it. Like you said, it was two big guys. You could see the pain if if you didn't know the backstory. You could kind of see Bundy was like, you know, the winces and everything like that. Andre was Andre was kind of giving it to him pretty well there. But like you said, a, a lot of people, if he didn't know you, you had to prove yourself to Andre. Your first way to prove it was to take an ass whipping from him. Beyond that, if you didn't cry like a little bitch, then Andre was good. I mean, oh, you know, think of it, honestly. If we had Andre in the days that we had that little twat waffle Shawn Michaels in there, oh, my God, if Michaels pissed Andre off, he would have killed him. Touche. Touche. Uh, I saw an interview with Bundy, and I'm going to screw this up, but I think he might have been wrestling for Papo's promotion. He didn't get along with Macho Man at all. And Andre was coming through, and I think he just, he worked with him that night, and Andre's like, good job. And Bundy said, I guess I'm ready for New York. And for whatever reason, that just didn't sit well with Andre, and he remembered that years later. I could be wrong, but it's kind of the story I remember is that, you know, it was almost asking Andre, hey, will you put in a good word for me? And Andre's thought was, don't ask me to do that. Wow. Uh, last match on this hour and a half um, VHS uh, YouTube video now was the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine against Tito Santana and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And the first thing I have to say about this is I loved the stage that extended to the ring. That was one of my favorite parts of wrestling back then. You walked right into the ring. You didn't have to. You didn't have to jump up. You didn't have to do anything. It was just right there. But the match was phenomenal. The match was phenomenal. Absolutely. You notice the colors of the apron and the ropes. It was an NWA ring. It was. I believe Maple Leaf, uh, the name of the promotion, Maple Leaf Wrestling Toronto or whatever, was still technically part of, uh, it came under the NWA umbrella, but once a month or so hosted a WWF show. So they wrestled essentially in an NWA ring. It's hard to describe this match. The action was just, it was perfect. It was a perfect tag team match with two super baby faces and two super bad guys. Um, it told the story. Santana was still chasing Valentine to get the belt back. Valentine had started teaming up with Beefcake, and they were getting ready to challenge Wyndham and Rotundo. Um, and it ends with Santana getting the figure four and Greg Valentine. Yeah, this, this was a good match. This was exactly what you would expect these four guys to do minus beefcake. But again, you put a lot of shine around beefcake. You could make them passable, but these guys, you know, Greg Valentine, just, you know, uh, such a pro Santana could wrestle with anybody. So on, so underrated. Um, yeah, he had tag team title reigns and stuff like that, but, so underrated. Another one of those guys that I think could have had uh, a short run with the heavyweight title if he was in a different era. Absolutely. And to kind of piggyback what you said, Chad, knowing kind of what we know, what we think we know, and looking back, you see Santana, Steamboat, you see Valentine, and then you kind of see Beefcake in that match, and you're like, and one of these things is not like the others. Um, clearly still green and just frankly not on par with the other guys in the match 
So I have a question about everything beefcake then for you guys. Um, was the Zodiac your favorite uh, beefcake God. person? I mean, you had the barber, then you had this. You had, so you guys are looking long into his careers, and you guys would have loved the Zodiac, right? My favorite beefcake character was the one that was off television after he got his face crushed. Jeez, I, there's nothing to say about that. <laughs> the guy had charisma. No, the guy had charisma, and it didn't hurt. He was Hulk Hogan's longtime buddy. All right, guys. Uh, overall, I think this was a great card. Let, let's give it a ranking. We haven't done a ranking in a while. I, I'm going to give it about five. I'm going to give it five. I really, I enjoyed this. The only thing that pissed me off was the specialty moves and slick walks or whatever the hell I called it earlier. Um, that did not need to be added. Uh, they could have added another two matches. Two matches is what it's taken up. I agree. Uh, I was going to give it five. Uh, the reason I don't give it six is for what you mentioned, but also... Three or four DQs, I think, out of seven matches, probably too much. And, and this was really about forwarding the year that, that we're discussing. Piper and Orndorff, Andre and Bundy, you know what I mean? I would have given it a five. I'm going to give it a four for what you mentioned about the, you know, instructional videos for third graders on how to do move or moves. And a little bit more variance of of matches, maybe some title matches, maybe less Andre matches would have would have made it a really, really strong video. So in the previews of what was to come, what were you guys most anticipating? The best of the WWF volume five, the life and times of Captain Lewis Albano or the tag team champions, Chad? I always liked Captain Lou, to be honest with you. Um, the dude was a character. Even when he was a bad guy, you just kind of gravitated towards him. So, for me, Captain Lou. You know you know how I like tag teams, and the Bulldogs were featured a little bit on this. They didn't do anything really big, but, um, yeah, I have to agree with Chad. The, the Captain Lou. I, I couldn't wait. Yeah, let's watch that. And that's what I think we should break down to. Next week, um, I don't know whose pick it is, but I, I'm going to steer you guys in the other direction that I want. I think we should do the life and times of somebody. Like, let, let's talk about Captain Lou, or let's, I mean, whatever we can find. Because, God forbid, we don't want John fucking trying to navigate through the goddamn network because he'll call me Thursday morning crying that he can't understand the network. So can we please watch something on YouTube because he can just type words in on that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I like the tag team champions tape, by the way. Every match, the belts are on the line. All Exciting right. stuff. All right, guys, we normally don't do this, but, uh, there's been a shit ton of news, and of course, we're just covering whatever we want to anymore. But now we're going to transition into what happened in wrestling this week in our third segment. So we'll be right back in a minute. Hey, this is Jack Pollock, the IWC Hardcore Icon. You're listening to King Crushers Podcast. If I like it, you should too. 
Welcome back to Can Crushers. It is I, the English professor from the Borough of Kings, speaking the English of the Queen. Mark's your host. Chad is the guru. Mark? Why Why do you need to get that in every show? We understand. You know we understand. You're, you're a queen. You're a princess. We understand that. It's in his contract. Leave him alone. Paragraph three. Uh, I am a princess. Line four. You, you'll be wearing your wife's... Uh, Shit, I forgot what shirt she had on earlier, but I, we, nonetheless. Susquehanna. Yeah, Susquehanna. Susquehanna. You, you had everybody in our high school class asking if you guys went there for a, a spritzer today. I don't. That's unbelievable. John, what do you want to talk about WWE? Because we really want to talk AEW. Man, WWE, unfortunately, is just, it's forgettable. It really is. And I've been saying this, it's, it's not... The talent. It's the writing. Let me pause you for a second. You asked during the pee break and get more alcohol break, was there a pay-per-view Sunday? That's right. Yeah, like, I'm trying to remember. It was Braun Strowman. He wrestled a handicap match. Miz Miz and Morrison. Miz and Morrison. I, I know it can't all be WrestleMania and SummerSlam. But, but come on, why am I supposed to give a shit about this match? Well, let me let me tell you what pissed me off this week on WWE. The Street Profits and the fucking Viking Raiders are supposed to have a tag team match. And then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Sakazawa or whoever the hell he is. And this guy show up. They do... Uh, we said this 12, well, we're probably on 15 weeks, 16 weeks ago now. They're going to overproduce these cinematic shows. Why the hell did the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders get to show us eating turkey legs, falling in dumpsters? Poor Jessica Carr gets thrown into this goddamn mess now. This was stupid. This, yeah. this, this was worse in my book. This was worse than the Money in the Bank. I agree. And, and the only other thing I want to say is we mentioned Jim Cornette earlier. Maybe that's not a name to be mentioning right now, but he's still a brilliant mind. And he has said, "Wrestling can be funny if you do it right. It's okay." And he used the analogy of something like somebody walking into a restaurant and walks into the waiter and the tray falls. Laugh at that if you find it funny. But if someone walks in and looks around and, and purposely slips on a banana peel, like it's insulting to one's intelligence, right? Well, all right, let's bring this up because Chad will will chime in on this as well. Our, our favorite gimmick between the three of us right now is probably the question mark. He's been on, you know, sabbatical for 15 weeks because NWA hasn't happened. But his funniness is because of his chops, is where he's from, the national anthem. That's all gimmicky. That's, we can attest to that. We love that stupidness. Uh, Chad, Street Profits, I know you're a big fan. I, I got nothing to say. I got two other things to talk about, and it ain't those dumbasses. All right. Where, where else are we going? Because... 
I, I will leave WWE up to YouTube. Just bring me where, and I got notes. Two, two good highlights for me this week. Mandy Rose and Sonya getting into it. Good cat fight. Good personal. They, they work this well. And then AJ Styles losing to that barefooted fucking freak Matt Riddle. Um, that just shows how patient AJ Styles is. I, I my 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 bonus of the week goes to the legit badasses as we call them on Can Crushers. In some shape or form, they have won four matches this week from Backlash all the way to SmackDown. Sasha was by herself, but you got to win nonetheless. They all got to win. Um, they're pushing them too much. I love them. They're, they're pushing them too much. That Monday night they fight the Iconics and. That's where they lose their titles. Uh, four wins in one week is a lot. Could Sasha have lost to Nikki Cross and made perfect sense? Yes. You could, anything can happen. Great. Um, I don't want to see him lose the titles. John said this during the break. I don't want to because, you know, those are my two favorite women wrestlers. Is it time already? Yeah. No, we're, I don't think it is. We're we're not we're not getting the Sasha Bailey match that we want anytime soon. They will hold off on that until Christ walks across water again, until their fans are in the freaking you know stadiums because that's what they want. That's going to be a big a big pop. They cannot give us that, but they're going to keep doing shenanigans until then. Other than that, this is. It, it's overexposure. It's why I I was against. I didn't think the tag team title for the women's was a good thing because there's just they're the only two main event that you can really get into women wise. No, the icon. The, you need to give the iconics some. You need no, to. They're a good supporting one. They're they're a good bad guy team to have the title, but there's they're not they're not as assholeish in everything as Sasha and Bailey are. That and is, I just it's overexposure. It's I, like what's her name? Um um oh yeah, Mr. Charlotte Flair. Overexposure. By the way, assholeish is copyrighted by the Can Crushers and Mark Martinez himself. By the way, that that is my own word. You guys have just started stealing it from me. I will say that I'll agree with you, Chad, and maybe what you're trying to say is that the Iconics are chasers. They're believable insofar as chasing for the title. I believe... Uh, Sasha and Bailey as champions more than I would believe the Iconics. You've got one major team, Mark, as Chad said, and you've got, geez, two, maybe three chasers. And, and that's it. It's not really a division worthy of a title. And, and we've talked to team wrestling on here. There was a point in the WWF where you had the champions. You could theoretically create a top ten and then two or even three more teams on the outside looking in. So you had 
12, 13, 14 teams. You had several top-tier teams, and then you had your chasers and your lower card. They're the only really believable team for me. I, I hope they don't lose Monday night like you predict, Mark, because I think it's too soon. I would say not putting one above the other, but in making a comparison, um, Bailey is WWE's Britt Baker. The way she treats people, her mic skills. She's a role model she's, as well, yeah. She's funny. And, and and the women's division is the only thing that even keeps me remotely interested because the storylines are very basic wrestling-related storylines. Rewind Can Crushers two years now, and Mark has been saying that, that this is why Mark watches the WWE. It really is. It's not to see that Lana's getting another divorce. It's not to see that... I'm glad he's going to try to get a match again, that Christian is back and he's going to fight Randy Orton. He got his ass kicked or whatever. The women are are fresh. It's the storylines there that it's basic. I'm a simpleton. That's what keeps me coming back, and this podcast, to tell you guys how much we hate WWE. My only problem with Bailey is, Bailey, in compared to Brett Baker is Bailey looks uncomfortable in this role to me. She doesn't look where whereas Britt, Britt's just having fun and she just she she looks like a bitch. She acts like a total bitch. Bailey just looks like she's uncomfortable to me. That's fair. We got to mention the greatest wrestling match of all time before we move on. I mean, no, we, we don't. Just skim over that. I, I told you, Mark, the whole thing, the whole goddamn thing was utter shit. I hated it from start to finish. And then this match started, and I thought, I said to you, okay, finally, finally, this is good. And I didn't realize, <clears throat> Mark, you said that match was pre-taped. You're sure about that? Positive. Yeah. Positive. That's... Because they had to, and I know this for a fact, it was pre-taped. They didn't like the way some angles came out that they've called Orton and Edge back. They finished fixing those angles that they wanted. And on the second day of taping is where Edge got hurt. Call me what you want. You can call me a mark, an old man. I don't care. My measuring stick. If you're telling me you're going to show me the greatest wrestling match ever, pick any one of the three from 89 between Flair and Steamboat. That's my measuring stick. And I thought, at the beginning, holy shit, this has a chance. It has a chance. And then it just lost me. The energy was down. The ridiculous false finishes where I felt it could have ended at any time and been better than it was. Um, and the fact that it was pre-taped and they pieced it together like a film. Guys, again, call me an old man. That shit was live back in the day. No takes. Not even one take. No takes. I did like uh, that the Fink announced them. I thought that was that cool. That was cool. That was very nice. Yes. That was cool. What I didn't like is uh, those two, Randy Orton and Edge, doing everybody else's finisher that yeah. they've never done before in their life. Bullshit. Yeah. 
Uh, this was a Young Bucks match to me. Oh. Do everybody else's shit and go on forever and ever. Hopefully this is the end of the never-ending story. Yeah. It's not. It's it's far from it. Because now you have Christian coming in to take Edge. Because Edge is out for, fuck, six months, eight months with a torn pack. Um, they need it. They need Christian to carry this along. They're going to get another match at WrestleMania. I bet you, uh, I want to bring up that the Firefly Funhouse has returned and now Bray can jump back and forth like somebody on a, Oh, Matt Hardy on AEW. Now he's going back to Bray White in a goddamn rocking chair. Just copy. If it's on the wall, Vince is like, ah, look at them, they're doing that. Let's let's bring that Bray Wyatt character's been dead. Yeah. This is my favorite incarnation of Bray Wyatt because it's the creepy shit. It's the the light coming down. I wish they would go back to this, stick with this. I I don't like the all the puppet bullshit and Everything. The only time that was ever cool is when Randy Orton burned the damn house down with Sister Abigail in it. All right, we're moving to AEW because we're getting pissy. Um, great, great card, great card from top to bottom. I thought Natural Nightmares versus Omega and Hangman. Ah, I, I love this match. I I really did until Allie came out. Once Allie came out, I thought. Shit, they're really not going to... I thought for a moment the Natural Nightmares were going to win the kind to get the the tag team going towards FTW, Young Bucks, uh, the Butcher and the Blade. FTR. Yeah. FTR. Whatever the fuck I said. I don't know, whatever. What did I say right there? FTW, Taz. Yeah. Them, them. All of them. Um, yeah. I thought this was the perfect spot to have... A transition because you you could have Hangman and Omega get that fight that's gonna happen. Have them lose to the Nightmares. Allie came out and I'm like, eh. but we did say last week that Allie's gonna be the reason why Cody turns uh, or no Dustin because we all say that Dustin turns on QT and something's gonna happen. Yeah, I agree. it's a great match. Yeah. Um... I'm with you. I would have been okay with the title change. They kept me guessing. It's kind of the brilliance of it. Either way would have been okay. They make you guess it's going one way and then it goes the other way. Um, I like Hangman and Omega keeping the belts for a good while. I think it builds them up as, as believable champions. The more they're pushed to the brink and yet find a way to win. And those guys, we're going to get to the Young Bucks, guys. Hangman and Omega. They show me more as a team. And, Mark, I said this to you. I texted this to you. I'm not even willing to believe sometimes that the Bucks are brothers. Like, show me a sixth sense that you guys have. Like, make me believe. We'll get to that. But anyway, Omega and Paige, they look like they're thinking what the other's thinking. During this match, we see one thing that I will continue to bring up during the whole AEW conversation. Um, Britt Baker is sending messages to Tony Schiavone via 
a piece of paper on a clothespin in a pulley system. And it works to uh, the next match. Is Anna Jay is taking on Abaddon. This chick was freaky. Unbelievably freaky. Boogeyman on crack is where I put her. She looked like something out of The Walking Dead. She was the scariest looking thing I have ever seen in wrestling. Uh, and then Anna Jay never gets a win. I feel badly for her. I like her. Britt Baker says it. Uh, are we saying Abaddon is what we're going to call her? Needs, yes. Britt Baker Just says, call her Abby. Our Abby needs to find Jesus, is what she <laughs> sent to Tony Giovanni. <laughs> Britt didn't say anything, two words, yet she's stealing the show. I, and you know what's funny is she could have gone the obvious route, like this this zombie thing. She looks a mess, right? She could have talked about her looks, even her teeth, like, hey, here's what I find wrong with her teeth. But all she said was she needs to find Jesus. That's the start. You need to start there. Ugh. And then afterwards, my boys come out. My boys come out and take Anna Jay, and they give something to Cole Cabana, the Dark Order, recruiting hardcore. I I swear to you, Mark, I wish I could prove this, but I said to my son, she never wins a match. I think Anna Jay needs the Dark Order. And then they came out. Honestly, I predicted that second before it happened. Chad's Chad's perplexed. So Billy, the hell with the hell with the Dork Order. They're so they're gonna sign Colt Cabana. Oh, big deal. He's a prick anyway. Telling you, watch. Billy takes on MJF, and let me stop here. I posted it on Facebook. All right, OVW Heavyweight Champion Tony Gunn. Has been running with this name for a while. I don't know if you guys saw it. I posted it. He is now not allowed to have his finisher being called this. He's not allowed his fans to be called the Gun Club. He's not allowed this. He's not allowed that. Because Billy Gunn has copyrighted it. And has taken Tony Gunn's whole wrestling persona away from him. Because let's, let's shoot this. An indie star, OVW, Tony Gunn, did not copyright it. Guys, if you're listening to this, and if you're Super Hentai from back in the day, if you're the Mandime, if you're Zicky Haim, if you're Matt Bish, if this is your shit that you're going to run with for your wrestling career, you found your goddamn niche. Put it on paper, because Tony Gunn has just lost everything in OVW, because Billy Gunn put in and got the Gun Club. Well, I thought WWE owned that name. No, am I mistaken? They had it for a little bit. They lost it. He took it over because the rights uh, ended. Interesting. That's kind it of a was, dick move. It was part of. Um, when he got it, was part of the bullshit that come out of uh, 
what was that stupid fight tournament that we talked about? The brawl for it all. The brawl for all. The crap that went in on after that with uh, Bart Gunn and everything like that. WWE let it go so they could, one or the other of them, if they wanted to, could pick it up. And it was Billy that took the copyright at that time for the gun name. What about Johnny Gun? Can he still use that? Oh, yeah. Salvatore, uh, Salvatore Sincere? Tom Brandy, yeah. Tom yeah. Brandy. Or the Patriot? But Patriot. now a different Patriot? Um, Billy and MJF and Britt says, he, Britt wants to know why Aubrey is still employed in this match. So, uh, I, Conspiracy! Uh, yeah. Again, Britt, good. Uh, it was a good match. MJF wins. It, yeah, it, it told a story. Him being a prick, Billy Gunn getting, uh, you know, some moves in, exposing Gunn's uh, sons, getting them a little time, and, you know, then the brawl with uh, Dino and Wardlow afterwards. Luchasaurus. Yeah, I was going to say Dino who? Dino, Dino, you know, from the Flintstones. Flintstones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, It it was okay. The only thing I'll say is Billy Gunn, I've said this for a while, go back to the Attitude Era and watch the New Age Outlaws. Tell me a good match they had. Not even great. Tell me a good match they had. Guys, Billy Gunn is charismatic. He's fun. He can work a crowd. Bell to bell, he's okay. He's okay. I don't think MJF was able to really carry him to anything special. This was just, if you guys can go out there and do this, this, and this, it'll help forward this story. The New, Age, about what we got. The new Age Outlaws did not make your list of tag teams better than the Road Warriors. Uh, yeah. The next segment is Britt talking to Tony. And they're kind of fighting that they're not friends, and all of a sudden, Big Swole takes Britt on a hell of a car ride. <laughs> they're on a friendship timeout. French. Cody with Arn, he uh, opened challenge, and it, we, we referenced this uh, in our opening segment. Man, Ricky Starks, absolute Ricky Starks, belongs here, and he looks amazing. One one of the, you know, can be one of the great supporting wrestlers. He's one of, he, he could be used in a main event, but he's one of these super undercard wrestlers that can wrestle with anybody. You put him in against a big guy, he can take the punishment at that match. I would love to see Ricky Starks and the Jungle Boy. I thought this was maybe the match of the night. I like that Ricky Starks would hit a move, go for a pin, get a two count, and not spend 30 to 45 seconds in awe. It just very quickly processed, shit, he kicked out at two. What's my next move? Boom, he went to it. Um, It kept the energy up. Very, very good match. Um, not to be lost in all this was Arn Anderson at the beginning talking about like setting up his matches almost like he's protecting them. It reminded me of like 
Mickey in in Rocky Three, where he has set up all of Rocky's matches before he fights Mr. T. Um, and Rocky feels like you know you kind of never gave me a tough opponent. You kind of gave me some easy guys. So I thought maybe it might go. Not that Ricky Starks is an easy guy, but he's kind of setting up some some warm up matches for him. How does Ricky Starks feel about being a warm up guy? How does Cody feel about not facing the best of the best? I think that leads into this week as well, because then the following week is Fighter Fest, where the TNA TNA TNT champion is going to fight Jake Hager. Uh, will it be Cody? It's scheduled right now, but somebody different again is going to come this Wednesday that we don't know who the hell is going to fight Cody this week. So we'll find out. Is it, and I keep stirring the pot, is it another NWA person that is contract, as I did my air quotes, is up? I mean, how about the tag team champion uh, James Storm rolling over? Or anybody like that? You know, you, you just... Then what happened? We talked about NWA in length. Like, they need to do something. They're going to lose talent. So... Uh, next up on the docket is the Butcher and the Blade. No, uh, it's actually the Young Bucks against the Super Bad Squad. And Penelope has pants on this week, so she yeah. looks a lot better. Yeah, she heard what I had to say about what she was wearing, I guess. Yeah. Look, guys, athletically speaking, I don't think there's anybody that can do what the Young Bucks do. Um... The Rock and Roll Express are not my favorite of all time. I think they're the greatest of all time. I think they are the measuring stick. Um, I think the Young Bucks have all the talent in the world, athletically speaking. I just, something's missing, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's storytelling they can sometimes piece together moves seven or eight in a row and it leaves you breathless, but then it seems like they just go to the next spot of three or four or five moves in a row. You know what I'm saying, Mark? I do. I do. Uh, yeah. Because the, the super kick, like everybody, there was a double super kick in this match and then Everybody was pandering for a while. Everybody was, whoa, we're a little wheezy. 45 seconds later, oh, the super kick happens. Like, we knew it then. We knew that was going to happen. So why? Why? Yeah, good match. I mean, they're not going to put on a bad match. They're just, they're way too talented to ever really have a bad match. Um, I just... There's something missing from those guys, and I am not smart enough to put my finger on it and say exactly what it is. But I know going back to the earlier tag team title match, I, I like a match with Hangman and Omega better because you're almost seeing what they don't have in athleticism or in teamwork they're making up for with determination, with grit, with, with body language, with, you know, being on the same page and, and not 
given up on their partner. I, I just I don't get that out of the Bucks. Yeah, I don't either, John. Yeah, so uh, young Bucks match. Um, eh, it was a filler. I think I went to the bathroom twice during it. Wow. Wow. Hated it. Um, Next thing was uh, Taz with Brian Cage. And you know I'm going to pick shit apart. Taz and Brian Cage were in the same place that Lance Archer was two weeks ago. The same junkyard was there. So what? Why? You know they're they're not supposed to be linked together. They were holy cow! What a thing to notice. They were that went right over my head. They were trash talking Moxley. They were kind of like the same junkyard. I'm like, oh man, go someplace else. Shoot a different angle. But it told a good story. Yeah. Well, they're probably. Obviously, they're shooting the show in the same place every week. They probably just went to the same dumpster, the same junkyard. But you're right, though. For continuity's sake, they probably, or not to have continuity, I guess, they probably should have shot somewhere else. I like the way this is building up. Um, I like John Moxley, too, as a fearless good guy. You know, they're creating something where two forces are going to clash. And it's going to be difficult to pick a winner because they both talked such a big game. I'm a huge Moxley fan. Said it in in and out every week. Um, I this is just gonna. Who are they gonna go with on this one? Is this where they end Moxley's reign, or do they keep him going? Because they're gonna start running out of people to feed him. Unless you start turning some good guys bad. That's a great point, Chad. And as uh, Brian Cage would say, who better? Not who's better. Not Did you get mad about that, John, with the English words? Uh, depends. Yeah, who better is not correct. I mean, if that's not the whole sentence, like, if he said who better than me, that would be wrong, too. It's who who better than I to whatever. So next thing we see as we get rid of that shit was uh, Britt ends up in a dumpster and her mascara, she just looks rough. And Rebel doesn't help her at all. Reba, Rebel. I know her by Rebel, but we call her Reba. Um, this was a great segment. It really it really told a great story. Brit in a dumpster, just ready to beat the shit out of Big Swole, taking her away from that heavyweight title pitcher for a moment, making another women's match visible. Yeah, this was funny stuff, and she wanted to know why Tony wasn't there to help, and Reba told her because you fired him as a friend or something. Well, no, no, she fired Reba. And then so she left. He's like, well, no, get back here. I'm rehiring you or something. And he was on a fr- – yeah, Tony was on a friend timeout. But the timeout was over because she needed help. She's just so selfish and spoiled, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Chad's got nothing. Oh, no, it's it's typical Brit. She's in, uh, enjoying herself. She's – having fun um anything she does right now is gold thank you 
Thank you. I was waiting for one of you to say that tonight. Uh, and then the main event is the sex gods against the best friends. And Matt Hardy's on commentary for whatever reason. I am pissed about this match. I am pissed about the editing of AEW this week. This is nonsense. This is blasphemy. It's complete bullshit. Because they take a timeout as soon as Sammy is ready to sing Judas. I need to hear him sing that. That's bullshit. Every week he should be singing this. He might be the worst singer I've ever heard. It's awful. He's terrible. It's great. Yeah, I got to put him like leagues above in the terrible category. I think the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov sing better than him. Yeah, absolutely. On the first wrestling album? Any of That was great. Uh, an okay match. A wonky finish. The friends win. And, and it's just, it set up more. Because I, I, I couldn't give a shit who won the real match. It was only to set up your boy, Chad, Orange Cassidy, uh, against Chris Jericho at Firefest. I have never wanted to see somebody get the shit beat out of him so much as I want to see Jericho just break him in half. It was fun to see Cassidy show up at the end and see a serious side of him. Um, it See, when you make a change like that, it drives home your character. So because he was so angry, we believe the laid back persona because he's been so laid back. We really believe he was angry now. So this was a nice twist. It showed us he was really serious um, and he's not going to let anybody disrespect him. He'll act like a goof and doesn't know what a first blood match is or a ladder match or anything else. Um, but he won't be disrespected. So uh, it was a great segment. I thought the sex gods were going to win the match. I'm surprised they didn't, to be honest with you. I, I thought they had more to gain by a win, which sounds obvious, but I, I thought they would have been better winning the match. And then Orange Cassidy comes out and confronts a winner rather than a loser of the match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that makes a strong point. Guys, a crazy week in wrestling. From what we talked about in the first segment with all the allegations to us talking about seven or eight matches in the 80s to touching on wrestling this week. Um, My question is to you, wrestling in a whole, looking at today being June 21st, happy Father's Day, guys. Um... Where where do we see this now? To wrap it all back around and put a bow tie on this, where do we see everything we kind of talked about in the first segment to, you know, wrestling in general? And I, guys, I, I didn't tell you this earlier in the week, but uh, a couple sentences from each of you. What, do, do, does wrestling take uh, a little stutter step back because of what we've seen? I don't think so. I think right now they're 
can almost get away with anything they want um, because they have their network contracts. They, they can always go back on, we don't have people in here. It's, you know, we can't do as good without the people in here. I, I don't think it's going to hurt them, but what I think is when the fans come back, the expectations for every single wrestling organization is going to be a high bar. I think it's going to spike it that way. They're going to have to. Yeah, people people will be salivating uh, to be, you know, live at a wrestling event. And, and promotions are going to have to deliver. Um, AEW, I mean, we're fans. I think they're doing things the right way. They're keeping things simple and entertaining. Guys, after the pay-per-view, I watched a good bit of that, that Undertaker whatever the hell it was called, that documentary. Um, they're, they keep bringing these guys back. Like, you didn't learn after Undertaker, and and I want to go off on a tangent here, but but Goldberg knocks himself out. And you try to have Shawn Michaels and Triple H against Undertaker and Kane, and it's absolute garbage. Undertaker might be like, and the Boneyard match was great, but come on. How edited was that? And, and you know, how many retakes did they do? Enough's enough with this guy. And I'm inclined to believe that he'll be at the next WrestleMania because what the hell else do they have? My point is, in watching that, you see Vince McMahon, and I dislike the man. I really do. I dislike him. And I'm not trying to be a bastard. It, it seems like he doesn't know what day of the week it is. Yeah, he's just just take, take a break, retire. You're out of touch. You can hang around too long. Listen, guys, you can hang around too long to where you tarnish your legacy. Certain people have come close. Ric Flair hung around too long to the point where we were like. Dude, this is how people will remember you if you don't stop now. Same thing with Hulk Hogan. Undertaker's considered maybe by some to be the greatest ever. He's getting there. if, If they keep pushing him out there, we may only remember him for the Goldberg match. If Vince keeps booking this bullshit, we laughed at the gobbledygooker and polka dot Dusty Rhodes. This may be his legacy, like the garbage that's out there now. The unwatchable nonsense may be how we remember him. You yeah. say two sentences or two paragraphs? Yeah, Sorry. two books. Um, guys, wrestling is slowly opening up in the United States. July 11th, IWC will bring back back in business. Uh, I know some shows are back in the Carolinas. Ohio has said, no fucking way are we going to have wrestling anytime soon. Other states have jumped on on as well. I will say wholeheartedly, if you can go to wrestling and you're okay with your pandemic, go support indie wrestling. If you're still just slowly coming out of what Pennsylvania calls the green phase and this, that, and the other thing, use your discretion. Um, 
as we said earlier, and I'll bring it up, and I won't tag these guys on it. If it's wrestling or life, I have a wife and a child upstairs asleep because I'm drunk downstairs right now. Those are the most two precious things in my life right now. I could give up wrestling. I won't give up can crushers. But if it's uh, a possibility of getting sick, I'll watch it on a network for $9.99. And I will still support it as much as I can. Hey, I just want to throw out there, last little thing. Uh, Another one to watch on the network. New Japan is going to be putting out new stuff. We'll be taping more. Uh, obviously, they're going. They put on a great show. Uh, it was just announced that uh, Filthy Tom Lawler is going to be on their shows now. So that's that's going to be interesting because he's a huge, huge MLW talent. And next week, AEW. FTR against the Nightmare Collection, whatever the hell. John, what's your parting words as I wrap this up with our Instagrams and shit? Um, Jim Ross made me laugh. I forgot to mention this earlier. When you said the Butcher and the Blade were dressed like they work at a bakery, I, I don't know why I fell out of my chair giggling. I thought it was one of the funniest things Jim Ross has ever said. They did. It looked like... Longshoremen or bakers or something. I don't. I didn't get what the outfits were. Laundry boys. They were laundry that, boys. That's it. That's it. If you know us, that's a long running joke, guys. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all at Cancrusher sixty nine. Send us some emails at Cancrusher sixty nine at gmail dot com. Tell us how much we suck. Hopefully that in the near future we can put an event on our goddamn website that we're going to go to and uh, not get the COVID-19, any of this. But uh, we're going to continue recording on Saturday nights. Chad's going to feel better next week and come back to my house and drink me out of Blackberry, uh, no, Black Cherry Seltzers. And uh, John's going to keep tickling the Fischl Finch. Yes. Uh, Whatever. Find something girl to drink, I'm sure. And hey, Justin Plummer, if you're listening, I still want that match with that fat cowboy Jock Sampson in a bull rope match. Make it happen, Plummer. And once again, I want to thank Jack Pollock for letting me know all about the Seltzers. Jack, BC Steel might not like you as much as you think, but damn it. These uh these seltzers that I'm drinking during the quarantine, they're unbelievable. Guys, I gotta listen to that interview. I, I gotta find out what what all the uh, the gossip is. Yeah, it sounds juicy. Guys, it's up to you. Finish this goddamn show for me. Remember, Chad. Just because you're trash, it doesn't mean you can't do great things. Because it's a trash can, not a trash can. Whatever, Mark. Shut up. <laughs>